0: Time for the WJR Sportsbook? You bet. Sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Now here are your hosts, Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds.
1: All right, my friends. Indeed. It is time for another installment of this here WJR Sportsbook. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, uh, there is a lot to get to. But before we do that, introductions. I'm Steve. Jamie. Nice to meet you. (laughs) uh the players remain the same uh blake doing what he does over there and uh this thing is put together as always by the one the only nicholas roddy hi what up dog how's it going everything's all right uh obviously a busy weekend and you know the nfl draft has gotten kind of like christmas because all the preparation the 1.2 million mock drafts that are released uh, and all the excitement. Who's going where? What the hell are the Lions going to do? And then it's boom, boom, boom. And then it's gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's exciting. I think it's funny. The fans cheering for a guy they have no clue what's he's going to bring to the team.
1: Zero. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting uh watching the proceedings from Las Vegas now knowing that in two years time gonna be right here on our beautiful riverfront. I it's think, gonna be awesome. It's
3: gonna be so great.
1: Is there gonna be Is there gonna be an open bar? Nick, can <laughs> we look into that?
3: There will <laughs> definitely be draft parties.
1: I think there's gonna be probably a hundred draft parties leading up to the 2024 draft.
3: Might I make a suggestion? Yes. Let's do live radio cast from parties.
1: I think that's already being discussed. Okay, great. And if it's not, darn it, it should be.
3: I just want to put it out there.
1: A tremendous atmosphere because look, uh, this is big goings on for a lot of people. You know, you've got to have a lot of conviction about your favorite franchise to travel to the NFL draft. And a lot of people do.
3: Yes. I mean, you saw it when they had the wide shot. It was packed.
1: And I think it's going to be, you know, obviously uh, being around for a while, I think there is plenty, plenty of wonderful spots to make the most of this draft in the great city of Detroit. I do too. I've often said, I think the riverfront, Uh, isn't used as much as it should. It's absolutely beautiful.
3: It is. Plus, there are so many restaurants and sort of pockets of Detroit that are cool that people in this country will now get to see.
1: Well, and when you take a look at the Detroit skyline from Windsor, it's magnificent because a lot of of work has been done.
3: Mm -hmm. It looks great.
1: You've seen it from a boat? Mm -hmm. Who are you hanging with?
3: Boat people. You know what? It's best to have boat friends.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. I have
3: some.
4: Yes. 100%.
1: <laughs> Listen, way too much responsibility.
3: None of the work, but you get to enjoy the spoils.
1: Uh, well, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. uh We have our friend, Mr. Mike O'Hara, coming up in the moments ahead to uh, talk at length about the Detroit Lions and how they fare in the draft. And I'm here to tell you, I. I applaud Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell for the job they did. Address the defense. Thank you.
3: They did. Six of the eight picks, defense. So he heard you.
1: I was uh, weeping like a newborn babe. Uh, that conversation straight ahead. Meanwhile, we'll begin uh, checking out your Detroit Tigers. And right now, uh, the Tigers are not doing well. Yesterday, they fall in the City of Angels to the Dodgers 6-3. Uh good news if you're looking for it, Miguel Cabrera, he uh comes through with a two run shot. Jamer Condelario, he is a solo homer. Uh Jamer needs to get her going because uh, you know, we saw what he could do last year. Right now he's batting one sixty four. Uh now the Tigers are off today. They have a little two game interleague series getting underway tomorrow night at the beautiful ball yard known as Comerica Park, seven ten first pitch. It is the first of two. The Pirates come in 9-13. and 13. Tigers right now 7-14. and 14.
3: Perfect time for the Tigers to get back on track with the visiting Pirates.
1: Well, here's the thing about the Tigers. And it, I know they've battled some injuries and whatnot. A lot of them, as a matter of fact, in the bullpen. But uh, before the season gets underway, and to whom a lot is given, a lot is expected, Uh, penning themselves to be a division-slash-postseason team.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the general consensus with the injuries was if they could be a 500-ball club at the end of April, that would certainly be a step in the right direction. Well, for all intents and purposes, there are seven games under 500. And I know what everybody's saying. It's early. It's early. But the danger is you're still saying it's early in July.
3: They... Made April a priority they t- were talking about April and how they couldn 't do what they did last year in April, and they did
1: well here 's the problem uh, obviously they're not scoring runs, and you need to do that to win ball games Imperative. they score they score they have lost seven of their last eight. they scored two or fewer runs in five of those ball games. Jonathan scope hitting one fifty. I mentioned Jamer Condolario hitting one sixty four uh, Spencer Torkelson uh, hitting 190. Uh, Eric Haas, 128. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. So, again, it's early. I get it. And uh, all it takes is for uh, this team to flip that switch, and hopefully they'll find a way to do that soon.
3: Well, that's the hope, of course. Those These guys cannot stay under 200 for very long, right?
1: You wouldn't think.
3: No. I think they're going to... Break out of this.
1: Akil Badu. Let's throw his name into the uh, ring. 128. Oh. He's better than that. Yeah. Uh, now, that being said, can't say enough about Javier Baez and Austin Meadows.
3: Austin Meadows gets on base. That's why he came here and he continues to do that.
1: Well, he's hitting 319, just in case you're wondering. Uh, he's got uh, 11 RBI, tied for the team lead. Uh, no home runs, but... Uh, He's got a four twenty on base percentage. So yeah, you're right. He's getting on base and doing what he And then was he's brought being here left on base. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of tigers getting on base. Yeah. <laughs> base is loaded, one out, can't get him in. Right. I mean, you can't uh, you can't have success with that formula. But Javi Baez, uh hitting two ninety two, uh he's got eleven RBI as well to go along with two home runs. Um I've been pretty impressed with the guy.
3: Yeah, and coming off a thumb injury, we don't know the extent of it. He's coming off, and he seems to be doing quite well. He is worth the money so far. He's a great addition.
1: Now, what's the uh, vibe, you being a uh, Pittsburgh girl, what's the vibe on the Pirates? Is it just whatever?
3: Well, to be fair, I've lived here so long. Maybe I'm a Detroit person now, but if I called my dad and mom at home, I think the vibe is negativity, sadness, (laughs) what have you. They won't spend money there.
1: Well, yeah, that was one of the problems, and we found that. It came to light uh, while they were trying to put an agreement together for a collective bargaining agreement. And uh, apparently the Pirates are one of those teams that, you know, enjoys revenue sharing, but they put nothing back into the ball club.
3: They have not been good for so long. That owner will not spend money. It's talked about every year in Pittsburgh. Come on, fans, don't go to the games. Teach him a lesson then the summer comes, and the park is gorgeous. It
1: is a beautiful and ballpark.
3: And it's fun to go, and people go. Yeah.
1: All right. Your Tigers and the Pirates at Comerica Park, the first of two again, 7-10 tomorrow night. What did you think of the draft? What did Michael Hara think of the draft? We're going to talk to him about that coming up as we continue with the WJR Sportsbook.
0: Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook, sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds.
1: All right, so maybe you'll recall on the program last week, we were doing our NFL draft preview, and uh, we had Mo' Better Blues on our good friend Mike O'Hara from DetroitLions.com, and uh, it was brought up time and time again that the Lions defense over the last few years, and we're going to be nice, few years, has been absolutely woeful. As a matter of fact, a year ago, Lions defense finishing 29th in pressure percentage, 30th in sacks. So the thought was defense should, in fact, it was the battle cry. Six of the eight selections by your Detroit Lions. On the defensive side of the ball, it began with Mr. Aiden Hutchinson. He was taken second overall, first pick by your Lions. Let's talk about it. Mo, how are
5: you? I'm doing good. I can tell that you're, (laughs) I don't want to make, don't want to criticize it, but let's go.
1: <laughs> I don't think there's really. You know what? I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I was happy with the way this thing unfolded, and we'll just jump ahead quickly. I at the beginning when they catapulted to number twelve and took Jamel Williams, the fine wide receiver out of Alabama, yes. I yes. thought, uh, I don't, I, 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 but I'm 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 starting to fall in love with the thing. I am. You know, guys. I think that really was my favorite
5: pick for the Detroit Lions. I thought that was my favorite pick of the of the whole three nights. Because, look, they did what what Brad Holmes said he would do. You, you want to be aggressive. If You see a player that okay, you like, go get them. And that's what they did. And, and really, they made out in those you know those charts and all that other stuff, value charts. They made out in that. In other words, exchange of draft picks and whatever. How you end up at, at the end of it, how it totals up. But I thought it was just a terrific. A terrific uh, pick by the Detroit Lions. Look, he's got a, a knee injury he's recovering from, but that's not as big a day in this day, day and age as it was you know, 20, 30 years ago. I'm sure he'll be okay, and I'm sure he'll contribute at some time during the season.
3: Mike, I read an article today that the Lions had 10 minutes to make their pick, and they took 60 seconds to get that <laughs> card in for Aiden Hutchinson. Is this a slam dunk?
5: Well, somebody probably dropped the card here. It would have been one second. <laughs> But no, I you know, and I, and I don't understand what fans say. They say, "Why don't you wait until the last second because someone might call you with a deal?" But all that stuff's done in advance. I mean, the teams know if there's you know if there's a real offer coming out there. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But the other part of that is why would they why would they not trade draft Aiden Hutchinson? That's who they wanted, and that's who they got.
1: Why wait? Well, and you know what? It's going to be a interesting marketing deal. Uh, for the Lions. You talk about a slam dunk. A uh, Kid went to oh. Dearborn Divine child. Another former Falcon just trying to find his way. <laughs> uh, had a stellar career, obviously, at the University of Michigan. Now, Mike, been around long enough to understand there are no guarantees when it comes to the NFL draft. But you talk about filling a need. That's certainly what Aiden Hutchinson does.
5: I mean, absolutely. You know, and, uh, Tim Twentyman, my writing partner at DetroitLions.com, had a session with the uh, defensive line coach today, Ted, Todd Wash, just a really sharp guy, been around a long time, and he's just absolutely thrilled with with who they got in the draft on the defensive line. Not not just Aiden Hutchinson, who's look, number one, let's, we're not kidding ourselves, but when you get down to the other, the second defensive end, they took in the in the second round, uh, Josh Paschal out of uh, Kentucky. They really think that they've got three players or two players that could really do something for them on their defensive line, particularly Aiden Hutchinson. I would not be surprised if he lines up as a starting defensive end from day one, and not just one of the defensive ends, but on what they call the open side, the pass rush side. I think they've got big plans for this kid.
3: What about in the secondary? The Lions have allowed more than 100 touchdowns over three seasons, so they needed help. Back there, <laughs> what do you think of the safety Kirby Joseph from Illinois and the corner from Arizona
5: State? Well, the corner from Arizona State. Let's start. You know, down uh, uh, Chase uh, Chase Lucas. Uh, I think one thing he's probably benefited from playing with under Herm Edwards for. It seems like he's been down there six or seven years, but he's what twenty four, twenty five years old. But at least he's got. He's been exposed to a to a. a, a an absolute professional defensive back and head coach and assistant coach for a long time. So he might have some value there, but, but I just think that, that the, the secondary obviously will benefit from the presence of a couple of things. Number one, the Detroit lions are going to go to a four three defense because they think it's a better defense for the type of players they have on their defensive line. In other words, they'll have, they'll have their better players, in on the pass rush as opposed to the 3-4 last year but not have always been the case but I just I think in terms of scheme in terms of talent in terms of the players they have I think that pass rush will be better and if the pass rush is better guess what happens in the secondary it gets better too.
1: You're absolutely right getting back to Jameson Williams uh, Mike for all the right reasons the Lions had just two total pass plays of 50 plus yards last season which tied for third fewest uh, you know, he went through the ACL uh, surgery, but uh, talking to Dan Miller earlier today, he had a conversation with Dan Campbell, and Campbell makes a point that, you know, the ACL surgery of today is a lot different than it was in years gone by. They are fully expecting him to be ready, obviously, for training camp. That being said, does he automatically become the number one, Mike? Well, I
5: mean, somewhere in there, I think you got to work him in a little bit because you just don't go... They don't just go from the injured list to, to starting, I don't think. But uh, no doubt in my mind that, look, the way they they play the, the wide receivers these days, all the teams do, except maybe the Baltimore Ravens and a couple of others that are that are you know run heavy offenses. But you see so many three and four and even five wide receiver formations that. You know, to me, the, the whole thing of starting and, and who's the sub and all that is just, you know, just, it, it doesn't really matter. But he'll get his snaps. That's, to me, that's the big thing. What kind of snap count he'll get, and he'll get it. He really will.
3: I think they sort of have this vote of confidence, too, for Jared Goff. With, now he has these weapons. He has an offensive line. If he can't make it work, then maybe they look at a quarterback down the road. But right now they're saying we can win with this guy.
5: Yeah, I think so too, Jamie. That's a good point because I don't, I don't think the Lions and the obviously they didn't consider drafting a quarterback the last two years because they didn't. There's the evidence, and that's what they think of you know, Jared Goff. You know, I thought that he, he was, he just he, he left a, a lot to your imagination. You know, the first seven, eight, nine weeks of the last season, but the entire team did. I mean, look over they zero and eight, zero and nine, something like that. But I thought the second half of the season after the bye. I thought he played eight, nine, ten games of really, really good winning football, especially at the end when he played, you know, one of the last games with an injury. I think he really got some, you know, got some credit in the locker room from his teammates to, for what he played through to win a game for them. And you, look, you look in the standings and all that, and three, 13 and one doesn't doesn't mean anything. But to the guys out there playing and toughing it out, when when one of your teammates, quarterback in particular, is, is playing with an injury that that really says something, and I think I think like I said, I think Jared Goff won a lot of supporters in the locker room with the way he finished that season.
1: And Mike, maybe uh, something else that uh, figured into the Lions brass decision uh, as far as quarterback goes. This particular pool, I just wasn't that impressed. Kenny Pickett it? taken it in the uh, first round by the hometown Steelers there with the 20th pick overall. That was it in the first round. Now. Next year, the quarterback pool is supposed to be much deeper. Does that come into play at all in their decision-making process, Mike?
5: I mean, I think it could for certain teams. I don't think it did for the Lions at this point because I don't think they plan on being down or down or up, whichever way you want to call it. I don't think they want to be that close to having the first or second or third pick in the draft anymore anytime soon. So, no, I don't think so. I think if the Detroit Lions are going to make a change at the quarterback position, it's going to be something – you know, like a trade or a, you know, signing a free agent veteran or something like that. I don't think they want to go through a, another like two years of building with a new quarterback after the two years they'll have behind them going into the 2023 season. Hey, look, this this rebuild—it's brutal. It really is. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's you've got to really tough it out. And I I give the Lions credit for sticking to their sticking to their plan. Not all of a sudden buying a couple of high-priced free agents, maybe just to win another game or so. I mean, they've been in, in this for the long run, and I think that's really shown in just about everything they've done. I mean, within reason, but just about everything they've done. You
1: no, know, if you're looking for a light at the end of the tunnel as it applies to the rebuild, uh, Brad Holmes' second draft, uh, as well as the first, maybe a little bit better, so there's that.
5: No, I would agree with that. And there's one other thing that I think uh, should be brought up, too. One of the things that Detroit Lions have wanted to do is get faster. I and mean, look, the National Football League – is turning into a foot race. It's a speed game now. Teams with speed, generally, not always, but teams with speed are the ones that are going to win championships. So the Detroit Lions added speed to this roster in this draft and in their free agent moves in the offseason.
1: All right, Mo, appreciate the time as always, my friend. See you soon.
5: Hi, Jamie. All right, thanks for having me. Bye. You
1: betcha. Michael right. D. O'Hara, our good friend from DetroitLions.com, talking about the National Football League draft. Now, Uh, We're going to take a break, come back, switch gears a little bit. Uh, Your Detroit Red Wings, turns out, for the first time in seven years, they're going to be looking for a new head coach. Stevie Eisman, the general manager extraordinaire, didn't waste much time. Uh, Red Wings beat New Jersey to end the regular season Friday night, Saturday. uh, Stevie Y says we are not going to renew the deal with Jeff Blaschel. We'll talk about that. Helena St. James, uh, Red Wings' longtime beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, will be with us shortly as we continue with the WJR Sportsbook.
0: Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook, sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds.
1: All right, so once again, the Red Wings finished their regular season last Friday night in New Jersey with a win over the Devils. And uh, the following day, the general manager, Steve Eiserman says, uh, yeah, we have seen enough of head coach Jeff Blaschel, who, by the way, just completed his seventh season as the head coach of the Winged Wheelers. The Red Wings finished 32-40-10, 26 points out of a postseason spot. Doesn't seem like all that long ago, or then again, maybe it does. The Red Wings made the playoffs in Blaschel's first season, but that roster had the likes of Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk. Let's find out where the organization goes from here. Happy to have with us Helena St. James, fine Red Wing beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Helena, how are you?
2: Very well, thank you. Pleasure to be on.
1: Uh, we appreciate your time. Um, full disclosure, I've always enjoyed talking hockey with Jeff Blaschel. Uh, I think he's a fine dude. Uh, I think he knows the game pretty darn well and wish him all the best moving forward. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, Helena, when all is said and done, how shocked were you by Eiserman's decision not to continue with Blasheel? uh
2: if, if one is the lowest, uh, one, you know, I, I think we can go back to March 21st at the trade deadline. I asked Steve uh, what he thought of the job Jeff had done, and Steve kind of chased, which was unlike what he had done in previous at previous trade deadlines regarding that question. So I think you really saw it there, and I think also, just, you know, into the it really in the middle of February, there was still a game above 500. And then it came that stretch of just, you know, they, they didn't just lose. The, you know, the, the 9-2 loss at home to the lowly Arizona Coyotes, I think it was, it was just awful. And then the 11-2 loss at Pittsburgh, they didn't just lose. They got absolutely blown out. So I think, you know, you could see from all sides that it was just time for for Steve to bring in a new voice.
3: Colleen, you and I both on that Zoom with Steve Iserman today, and he said he has a bunch of names rolling around in his head. He wouldn't name them. He said he has to make a list and then start figuring this out because he'd like a coach to be hired before the NHL draft.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think that's that's fairly uh, – it was to be expected. that the, the draft is July 7th and 8th, that and he would want a guy in place by then. Um, you know, it kind of depends if he's looking at guys' assistants maybe – um i think he should take a look at Lane lambert uh, his former line mate now an assistant with the islanders but you know and there may be guys who are who are in the playoffs uh, you know that that he needs to wait for for those teams to be done to ask permission to talk to some of those that um i i think you know it it's it this is the his biggest imprint yet on the detroit red wings and he certainly wants to bring in a guy who he thinks could be a coach for a long time
1: you know, there are those, Helena, who are saying, look, you could have had Scotty Bowman on that Red Wing bench over this period of time, and based on the talent that was on the ice, the results might have been similar. Now, look, we know the Red Wings have some pretty decent young talent, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, uh, Hironic, uh, Fabri it goes on. How attractive would you say this Red Wing head coaching job is? I know it's an original six, there's a lot of history with this franchise. Um, but is there an attraction that comes with this while Steve Eiserman has got the lure out?
2: Well, first of all, I think you make an excellent point about the roster. And let's not forget, you know, Jacob Arana didn't play in the first 56 games of the season. And he was, you know, they were counting on him to be a big part of their offense. So absolutely, it doesn't matter who they had behind the bench. Nobody would have had this team in the playoffs. And, you know, to your point about, you know, if you're looking at a, a Joe Quenwell or John Tortorello or, you know, somebody with a lot of experience, uh, I think it does matter that it's an original six team. Yeah, because otherwise you're looking at it and going, well, there's one in Moritz one very good defenseman on the team. And that's really it. Uh, you know, up front, I mean, I like Dylan Larkin a lot. I think he's a very good player, but he wouldn't be a number one in Tampa or Toronto, you know, on right. any of those elite teams. Um, there's just, they they don't have that superstar center that the teams that are competing for the cup does. Um, so I think, you know, that, that there is going to be a little bit of a selling point for Steve in, in bringing in, depending on on who he brings in as a coach, you know, it's going to be somebody who wants to take over a team where they're at in a rebuild. You're not coming in and taking this team to the Stanley cup finals next year.
3: Well, he has to find a coach, and he also was adamant about talking about the defense today and saying they need to improve defensively individually and as a team. He just kept
2: harping on that. The defense has to be better, right? It, no, exactly. And, you know, and I think that was one of the things that kind of do Jeff is he talked about it a lot and how extraordinarily hard they have to play and play team defense. And, you know, it just you just didn't see it uh, on the ice on a consistent basis. And I think that's where – I mean, Moritz Seider had a phenomenal season, but, you know, I mean, and I think all the more phenomenal, considering that, again, Danny DeKaiser, I mean, he hasn't been the same since he underwent back surgery two years ago, um, you know, who, who his partners were. To me, Philip Horonic unfortunately, didn't have a very good season. And then beyond that, you know, there, there's just not, not much depth now. You know, there's some excitement about Simon Evans in their 2021 first-round pick. Could he come in and compete for a job as soon as next season? And he did have a very good season in in the SHL like Moritz did a year ago. But, you know, Moritz had played three years in the men's league when he came over and was ready to dominate. I think we need to, as Steve said, kind of temper the expectations for what Simon Edmondson can come in and do right away.
1: And as you might have suspected, uh, Stevie Eisman, uh in his statements to the media, Helena, uh, very, very supportive of Jeff Blaschel's run here. Uh, with the Red Wings saying he ran an outstanding program. It wasn't a blank show.
2: <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, and, I, and I've pointed out, I mean, I, I've gotten emails weekly about, you know, when is Steve going to get rid of Jeff? and I point out, look, you know, I mean, you go back and look at the timeline. Jeff got a two-year extension in a, a early April 2019, right before Steve was hired. And they knew Steve was coming in at that point. And Steve extended him last year and emphasized today he didn't regret doing that. Steve wouldn't have kept Jeff around if he didn't think he was doing a good job with the young guys, right. you know, and there were just so many circumstances, extenuating circumstances, too. I mean, Jeff is not a, one of the high-priced coaches, and money does matter. I mean, the, you know, no team has had revenue for, you know, a year and a half almost uh, because of the of the pandemic. So there were uh, a lot of circumstances, and ultimately, you know, also Steve pointed out uh, you know, they, they traded away veterans. They kept handing Jeff younger guys, you know, and the lineup down the stretch here was patched with minor leaguers. And I think, you know, you you should give Jeff does deserve credit for uh, as, as well as they played in all those circumstances.
3: They People keep trying to nail him down for a timetable. When are you going to get big free agents? When are you going to get back to the playoffs? And he keeps saying it. I can't tell you. I just have to, you know, do what I do and and get there when I get there.
2: Yeah, and you know, nobody's going to like my answer because I point out he weighs, wa- Steve I've been waited 14 years as a player, 83 to 97, right? And that was with, in 1989, the draft that brought in Nicholas Littstrom, Sergei Fedorov and Vladimir Konstantinov. And, you know, there were 26 teams. There was no salary cap. You know, you didn't have teams scouting the globe for, for players. So it was difficult back then. It's much more difficult now. No, no, I don't, huh? don't like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Helena, thank you so much for your time. Uh, very much appreciated.
2: Absolutely, anytime.
1: All right, from the Detroit Free Press, she's been covering the Red Wings for a very long time, doing it very well. Helena St. James joining us as the uh, Red Wings now move on from Jeff Blaschel. And uh, when they name the uh, next guy, we'll have it for you here. Meanwhile, the playoffs in the National Hockey League getting underway tonight. Outstanding viewing.
3: I Playoff love hockey playoff hockey. I love it so it's insane. much.
1: Insane. Uh Bruins Hurricanes they are underway uh as a matter of fact in Carolina. Uh no score. Uh 6:20 left in the first period. This is going to be a hell of a series here. 18:10 left in the first in Toronto, the Lightning and Maple Leafs getting together. No score. That's going to be a beauty.
3: I it's going to be great. I love it. Tampa Bay trying to go for
1: three. Huh? How about that? I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, 9.30 start, the Blues in Minnesota to take on the Wild. Then 10 o'clock tonight, the Kings eke into the postseason, and they get the uh, Edmonton Oilers game one of that series in Edmonton again at 10 o'clock. All right, stick around. We've got our various and sundry file to go through. Lots to discuss as we continue with the WJR Sportsbook.
0: Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook, sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds.
1: As always, thank you very much to our friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort for their support of this radio program known as the WJR Sportsbook. Steve, Jamie here. Uh, Again, things being produced by the one, the only, Nick Roddy. Nicholas, uh, I want you to weigh in now. Your thoughts on the Honolulu Blue and Silver and the draft.
4: Uh, I like it. Um, we were talking earlier with uh, Ken Brown and some of the guys, like oh. some of the guys <laughs> about the draft, and they were saying, "Oh, it's about time that they have adults running the draft." And I'm thinking, "Okay, we, we said the same thing with Bob with a couple of Bob Quinn's drafts." So yes, I don't recall. It looks that. good now. <laughs> What's that, Jamie? I don't recall that. I think his first draft, Taylor Decker, A'shaun Robinson. Serviceable. That draft we were talking, oh, my gosh, like, wow, look, look what we've got here. And I, I think a couple of his, I mean, the Tease-Tabor draft was a complete f- historic failure, but I think we need to wait a couple of years before we crown these uh, these draft picks. But well, I think I that's loved, true. I true. love the first round picks.
1: I, I, I think uh, that's true in any draft because, look, uh, it is not an exact science. We know that. Um, but I think based on need, because the Lions defense has been so woeful, woeful for a long time. Abysmal. With a capital A. And it had to be addressed. And you you just couldn't, you know, put a band-aid on it and say, Well, let's see what we got. Now that being said, I thought that they performed with the talent that they had pretty damn good under Aaron Glenn last year. I like what he's got going on.
3: Well, we just talked about this with Jeff Blaschel. He had the personnel he had and did what he could. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Uh, So, you know, you bring aboard Aiden Hutchinson, and um, I think, just reading up on this kid and whatnot, uh, he is going to be equal to the task of being a performer in his rookie year because it's in his blood for crying out loud.
3: So I think it's just so important. He wants to be here. He's from here. He knows the history of the Lions. His family's here. I think that, you know, not for nothing is something.
1: Well, a uh, program record 14 sacks at a very high level uh, at Michigan last year. Uh, You know, you come out of Michigan. uh, You come out of a Big Ten school, uh, SEC school, whatever the case may be. you're, You're well coached. Mechanically, you're sound. Now it's Manu Umanu. And he's going to be going against dudes that are stronger than what he's used to. Yeah. Uh, but he's got great footwork. I, I think he's got great speed off the ball and uh tremendous technique. I can't wait to see him play.
3: Me too. And I think that other people will be buying his jerseys, be all in on Aiden Hutchinson. And I think he's going to have great press conferences. He's going to say all the right things. And I think there's going to be a little love affair with him as long as he can perform.
1: Oh, the kid's going to be hot. There's no yeah. question about it. Uh, Blake, uh, A.K.A. Captain Haterade, uh, were, were you good with Hutchinson? Yeah, okay. I mean,
4: all right. I, I, as you know, I'm a Michigan fan, but I, I'm not a Lions fan whatsoever. So there's the hater. Um, but I, I do. I was saying before the draft, I think Thibodeau is going to be a better pro, but I don't think you could have gone wrong with either one. In my opinion.
1: All right. Fair enough. Uh, Let's go around, shall we, and uh, just discuss quickly where some of the uh, fine local talent went. In particular, uh, your Michigan State Spartans. K-9, Kenneth Walker III, who I guess now just wants to go by Ken. So, Ken Walker, uh, the fine running back, who I just had a ball watching last year. uh, And a great kid. Uh, He is now a Seattle Seahawk in the second round. Uh, The ninth pick of the second round, as a matter of fact. Jalen Naylor. Fine wide receiver. He goes in the sixth round to the Purple People Leaders, Minnesota Vikings. Going to be a good place for him. Uh, their fine offensive tackle, AJ Curry. Uh He is a Los Angeles Rams via the seventh round. Connor Hayward goes to your Pittsburgh Steelers in the sixth round. That is a wonderful spot for Connor. I'm happy for him.
3: Yeah, they developed them pretty good over there. So I think it'll be great for him. Question for you. Do you think Jalen Naylor leaving and going in the sixth round is worth it?
1: I think he could have bettered that um if he stuck around to be right. honest with you. uh he is but he that gone talented. Hurt
4: too
3: well, guess, there's that, yeah,
1: and you know it's six of this and half a dozen of the other. but you know, having seen him play a lot, he is a very talented kid, speed to burn, and uh yeah, I think if he comes back uh for another year, probably. At least a second-rounder. That was just the way I was looking at it anyway. But like you say, injury comes into play and everything else. Uh, As far as Michigan goes, uh, we know Mr. Hutchinson is a Detroit Lion now. David Ajabo, he's a second-round pick. He's going to be a good one, too. I'm happy
3: for him after that injury.
1: And going to the Ravens?
3: Yeah, another good developer of talent. He's good.
1: And, Nikki, we were talking earlier, uh, his defensive coordinator at Michigan is now, as it turns out, with Baltimore. Well, what a great yeah. fit that is.
4: Mike McDonald headed back to the Ravens, so I think it's perfect for Ojabo. Uh,
1: Daxton Hill, the fine safety, he is a uh, first-round pick. He goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, and I was curious, uh, because I saw him play a lot, Hassan Askins, uh, I think he's going to be a very impactful running back in the league, and he goes to Tennessee. How about that?
3: What round did he go again?
1: Uh Mr. Haskins was a round 4 selection. Okay. Round 4.
3: It took him a minute, but they someone picked him up. Good for him.
1: So uh yeah, I think he's going to be good. All right. Uh while we're speaking college athletics, you know, don't get me started on this whole transfer portal thing.
3: <laughs> you sound like Tom Izzo. I
1: you know, I I just don't uh I don't think in 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 the short term. In the short term, I think it has the potential of wreaking lots of havoc, and I'm not alone. Dabble Sweeney has been very vocal. Nick Saban has been very vocal. Uh, what they're going to do to curtail it, I don't know. But I bring it up because Julius Marble on uh, Izzo's Spartan squad last year, I thought he was fitting in very well. Had a nice niche, averaging 6.4 points per game, 14.4 minutes. He goes to the transfer portal. He goes to Texas A&M. What, what was the reason? I I haven't talked to Tom yet about it, but I, I, I'm I, bummed out. I thought he was going to be a player for right. the Spartan team.
3: And it seemed like he was peaking. Yes. And he was going to come back a veteran on this team, and not, then all of a sudden he leaves. But maybe it, it, a homecoming of sorts, isn't he, from that area, and he wanted yeah, to go he's home? Yeah,
1: Right, right. Was he getting homesick? I don't know. There's a lot. Okay, with that being said, if you're homesick, you're a young kid, okay. I understand it to a degree. But this transfer portal is, is just insane. I feel like it's... Yeah, but, goal.
4: I mean, now on the other side, time Izzo gets a chance to, to fill his spot. So if, if a guy's homesick and he wants to go home, more power to him. Now Izzo doesn't have to wait a whole year before bringing a guy in.
1: Well, you know, it doesn't matter if it's basketball or football. Uh, there has been some discussion that high school athletes are feeling cheated in the recruiting process because there's so much emphasis now. As a matter of fact, Michigan State's not the only top-shelf program in the country that's got a department college scouting. That's what they do. Right. Uh, You know, and there's some high schoolers that are under the impression, well, you know, I'm I'm getting looked at, but it's not serious. I think
3: all of this is a little grass is greener thing, and you want to see if you can do any better. And you have to swipe as in the dating apps. You want right. to see what else is out there, and sometimes it's not always better.
1: No, that, you're absolutely correct. Uh, that being said, we know the NBA postseason continues. It's been very exciting. Uh, 76ers in heat right now in Miami. The heat up 27-22, 122 left in the first quarter uh, in that particular game. No Joel till.
3: Embiid.
4: We got uh, some breaking news. Amani Bates, the uh, oh my former Michigan State recruit. Oh, boy. Has narrowed down his list: I thought you were Arkansas, Seton Hall, DePaul, Louisville, Michigan, and <gasps> Eastern Michigan.
3: Oh my goodness!
4: I hope he goes to Eastern. That'd be incredible. <laughs>
1: that was. <would, laughs> I hope so. That would be something else, wouldn't it? How about that? All right, folks. We are unfortunately out of time for Nick and for Blake, and of course for Jamie. My name is Steve. Thanks for listening to the Sportsbook on WJR.